Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I lay my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. So first with us today, we got Tank. Hey, everybody. Ready to crack some brews and uh, talk about some bad guys. And also with us, we got Dan. I, too, am ready for the booze in this room with a couple of dudes. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Word. Just <laughs> right. word. Chicka, chicka, chicka. Word. Well, we going, we're going 80s hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> word to your mother. So, Tank, what you got to drink over there? You said this one, uh... Yep. Uh... Coming from Ann Arbor, another Holmes brew, uh, Blackberry Metaform. I think I've actually brought it to the podcast before, but it's a solid contender, so doing it again. It's a strong, sour IPA, some milk sugar and vanilla bean action. I believe it's around 6, 6.5%. All right, Dan, you got uh, another yeah. big leg. I see the, the mitten looking at me, so it's obviously local as fuck. Yeah, this is actually courtesy of tank our resident beer expert it's from big lake brewery which is local here in michigan and it's fudgy kruger going with top i don't know when this comes out but right now it's right before halloween so tis the season yep and it's a uh oatmeal stout and i've been uh stouting it all night and so this goes right along with it have yet to really crack it open so we get a taste of it as the episode goes on this is real-time brew tasting. Yep. And little ASMR. It's free content. Okay. This is fucking delicious. I just took a big old gulp of it. This is fucking... My friend this went is on a, right on point. My friend went on a trip. They stopped at Big Lake on the way back. Said there's nice folks out there. It's on the west side of our beautiful state. They picked us up. It's not expensive i don't know how often they brew it like you said but it seems like it's a tis the season thing being around halloween and whatnot yeah i mean it's fudgy kruger and yeah it's very uh chocolatey you can taste it it says it's got a it's oatmeal stout with lactose cocoa nibs and vanilla beans yep it's on that whole uh but yeah it's fucking stout wave yeah this thing's fucking delicious i think it's fitting because like, he's kind of the beer guy, you're like the horror guy, so that's right up here. This is what it's like when worlds collide. <laughs> well, and that's a, uh, and it's in a Walking Dead glass, which yeah. has now jumped the shark, but at one point, Walking Dead had, like, Frank Darabont on and shit. It's like yep. legit horror. Yep. You know? See, I mean, you either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's certain shows. Certain shows, especially like horror theme ones, Walking Dead is one, Dexter's one. Certain shows, if they quit right around season four or five, then you're good. Greedy assholes. If the 80s and Scarface told us anything, push it to the limit. Limit. Walking on the razor's edge. I mean, if Master P taught us anything, there are no limits. So I got Old Nations Cart Horse IPA, which I had on here before, but you're big uh, Old Nations guy. Yep. That's like, uh, it's one of your favorite breweries and stuff. 
Yeah, man, they, uh, you know, these newer uh, hazy IPAs, they really, I, I like them a lot, and they come through with it every time, and that's one of the my, one of my favorites around here. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get started, and the bad guy we're covering today is Samuel Levine. This ain't negotiation time. This is Scarface, final scene, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Oh, Sam Levine, the actor? Yep, Lil Logan. Yep. No, Lil Wolverine. There's a couple actors, Levine, right? Isn't there Adam Levine? Adam Levine, yeah. Yeah, Levine's almost like a pretty... Because isn't it a a Jewish name? Like, it's almost like a Jewish... Yeah, it's almost like a Jewish Smith. Yes, this guy is very Jewish. Sam Sam Levine is like John Smith. That's, in fact, correct. (laughs) Yep. He he looked at the story. Like, he knows knows my first note and shit. Yep. Sam Levine was born December 27, 1902 in Toledo, Ohio, and grew up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in a strict Jewish household. From Toledo to Manhattan. All right. So the Lower East Side of Manhattan were known as the Jewish ghettos. That's kind of where the term ghetto comes from. Yeah. At eight years old, he went to work on an ice truck to help support his family. Then he started getting caught by truant officers that would make him go to school. And by 15 years old, he lied about his age and joined the Navy to fight in World War One. Okay. He never seen action, was constantly bullied over his red hair and freckles. Uh, he was one of the only Jewish kids, and he looked real young, and it was because he was, in fact, 15. No wonder he's getting picked on. He's this little 15-year-old. If you don't imagine him, he's like, fuck it, man. I'm going to lie about my age. I'm going to do some man shit and jump straight into the fucking service. I'm going to go to World War One. And then you go to World War One, and motherfuckers are making fun of you. Like, wait, man, I'm like, I'm right here with you. We're we're gonna dig some trenches and shoot some motherfuckers and shit. Like, no, you got red hair and you're pale and shit. Like, fuck, man. That recruiter didn't give a fuck. Like, there's no way he doesn't know he's under 18. He's like, fuck, it's wartime. Hop on the boat, kid. Yeah. We don't give a fuck. Go wrap up some rope. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that hard at that time. Yeah. Like, you see, guys, the further back we go into history the lower and lower the line about eight about your age got goes from 17 to 16 and now we're at world war one like 15 now you go back to the revolutionary war like well yeah 15 you're a soldier grab your <laughs> gun and go fuckhead yeah what are you thinking you're the man of the house right so he eventually goes a wall and just works his way back to new york oh easy to get in easy <laughs> to get out <laughs> What are you going to do? You're going to go fucking hawk down this 15-year-old and be like, oh, you better get back to the Navy. We really needed you, kid. We made fun of the whole time. Back in New York, he began his criminal career and became an associate of up-and-coming gangsters, Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano. Nice. So the new wave. It's a good crew to jump on board. Yeah. He picked a winning team. Way better than the Navy. (laughs) Interesting, considering the fact that, like, he got... He got made fun of in the Navy and shit, and then he was able to come jump on with Meyer Lansky and Luciano, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, I mean he was 15. That's like, I mean... Yeah, no, you're well, right. Uh, that's when other people are in high school. He was yeah. in the Navy. Like, so yeah, he's getting picked on. It also said he was getting in fights. So... All right. Getting in fights on a fucking boat against grown men in the Army, or the, you know what I mean, in the Navy. Yeah, we've that's seen a, it. That's a learning. And I mean, young teenage kids working for the mob and for mob on the streets and shit makes a lot more sense than the 15-year-old in the Navy. This is normal shit. So he worked closely with Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano through most of Prohibition. There was a quote from Martin Gosh in Richard Hammer's 1975 book, The Last Testament of Lucky Luciano, where Lucky Luciano was called Red, the best driver and hitman he ever had. And that's a quote you put on the front of your biography. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me pick up that name I just dropped. At the same time, Sam always held firmly to his beliefs as an Orthodox Jew. He kept a kosher household, and he always wore a yarmulke under his hats. He always observed the Sabbath and would typically refuse a piece of work on Shabbat. The Jewish Shabbat is Saturday. I remember that. I mean, who from, likes to work on a Saturday? I remember that only from uh, the Big Lebowski and Walter's character <laughs> was pissed off that he had to bowl on Saturday. So many things to be learned from that movie. White Russians. Never had one, and we'll, we're going to do one on the podcast one day. We're going to have to oh, cover sure. another Russian dude and make that a theme drink. That's something for the listeners to look forward to. If Levine had no choice and had to make a hit on Shabbat, he would have to go pull on a talent that says prayers before you go do a job. Not <laughs> <laughs> Semi-devout. Well, I mean, everyone's got their lines. Priorities, it's all about, you know. Uh, loopholes, right? Having came up with Meyer Lansky and Lucky Luciano began to pay dividends as they quickly moved their way up the New York underworld through the Prohibition era. Lucky Luciano would often use his Jewish connections for hits on rival Italian gangsters. Since most of the old school Sicilian mustache Pete's did not associate with Jews, they wouldn't recognize them as potential threats. Always underestimating your enemy. That'll get you caught up every time. That was one thing that stuck with uh, Luciano through most of his career. Like, the fact that he had all these extra friends that were Jewish and that were different, and everybody else was going the mob, bro, and getting made. You know, and he kind of did his own thing, paid dividends at the end of the day. Like, Bugsy Siegel's walking up on him, and they're like, I don't know this kid. That's kind of what's great. Like, people that don't know too much about the mafia, they just hear names like, yeah, Al Capone, Lucky Luciano... All these names, they don't understand. Luciano and Meyer Lansky, like, changed the game up to them. They didn't take Jews too serious. Like you said, they underestimated them all the time. And there was actually a big word. Luciano had to kill the old guard to be able to do shit his way, which was, they were inclusive. Well, that killing of the old guard started on April 15th, 1931. Exactly what you said. He didn't like the old way they were doing it. So the old Sicilian bosses were like, no, we're going to stick to our game plan. So, Lucky Luciano worked for Joe the Boss Masseria, Masseria. I'm going to keep butchering that motherfucker. Very sorry. So, I'll, I'll, I'll switch back and forth, though. So, I'll, na- I'll nail it. Like we'll just change to an Irish name. No, yeah. I mean, I, that actually, it's a thing in my family, my last name. It could be one or two fucking names, and it's legit. On April 15, 1931, Lucky Luciano was playing cards with Joe the Boss Masseria. So, Lucky Luciano gets up to go to the bathroom. While he was away from the table, a group of gunmen, including Red Levine and Bugsy Siegel, came in and shot up Joe the Boss. Yeah. So here's the, oh here's the Joe the God. Boss. Now he's holding a, uh, what is that, a king? It's like a ace, of, ace. ace oh. of spades. Yeah, someone definitely playing that card. There's no way he went down holding that thing. Yeah, so that's a big <laughs> thing. Like, it makes for a great pitcher, but like now in hindsight, yeah. for sure, yeah. that's a doctored pitcher. Joe the Boss was shot in the head, chest, and back. The hit was arranged on Lucky Luciano on behalf of Salvatore Maranzano, and that ended the Castellamare's wars. In return, Luciano was made boss of Joe's family, while Salvatore Maranzano was made capo di tutti capi, which was the boss of bosses. Seize the day. So Maranzano organized the New York mob into the five families that it is now and placed himself at the head. So his reign was short-lived. On September 10th, Luciano sent four Jewish hitmen, including Levine, to Maranzano's office disguised as law enforcement officers. They went in, they disarmed the bodyguards, and they stabbed Maranzano to death repeatedly before shooting him. Oh, damn. Damn, real bad. fuck with his pants, too? 
<laughs> That's over the line. You can stab him, but they <laughs> fuck with his pants. <laughs> but now they're out there fucking cleaning house. Any remaining family members loyal to the Mustache Pete's is what they called the old guard of Sicilians were eliminated. And Luciano created the commission, which was a governor mo- governing body for the criminal underworld. And most of them said, like, he'd just be the buzz- boss of bosses, but he didn't want to do that because he thought that's what caused all the problems. So they came up with the commission, and he's still, like, the head of the commission, which is kind of the same thing. But, you know, technicality. Yeah. I mean, really in a long story, that when you really get into Lucky Luciano, there's a reason why he's, like so famous because he really changed the game before him it was all sicilians he said like now we'll throw more shit in it then they wanted to make him king and he was like russell crow and gladiator he's like no 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 i'm gonna be a republic (laughs) i don't want it it. right i don't want it but but i will be chairman of the board i'll still be your george washington all right we're gonna take a real quick smoke break refill our drinks and we'll be back in a minute You're about to die, face it, you're about to die, zero 
elbow sand in your glass Fuck it, you can't even cry Put a dagger to your neck Just to keep yourself in check Put a dagger to your neck Just to keep yourself in check Everybody grab a side As you fight to stay alive Dancing on a hand grenade So you can die and they survive Silver bullets in the sky Dropping seven second death Scattering the children run Rub until there's nothing left Ashes in the water Sons and daughters Hold the flags up high Wallowing the harbor As the military tanks arrive Penetrate the border With disorder like an animal Every war has the honor Of turning kings into cannibals We're back. Back in the saddle again. I think I've actually told this story on the podcast, but just in case, I'm going to redo it again. One of my favorite all-time MMA moments. Randy Couture had retired, and Tim Sylvia was out there bumming around with some boring heavyweight fights. And Randy Couture came out of retirement to go up a division and fight Tim Sylvia for the championship. And he came out to back in the saddle again. And that's that's like one of Aerosmith's hardest songs too, man. Because of the way that Steven Tyler says back. Bang! And I think that had to do with drug addiction and whatnot. But either way, like for a fighter to come out to that song, fuck yeah, that's got to pump you up. Hey, and some of the best MMA songs aren't like badass songs like that. Like Matt Hughes is known, he, he comes out to Country Boy Can Survive. <laughs> yep. Even if it's not a hard song, if it works for you. Hey. All right, so we left off. Lucky Luciano had put himself in place as chairman of the board. Word. One of the first things the commission decided to do to eliminate constant wars was they would agree on sanction hits. So you couldn't just kill each other's members on the fuck of it. You, you know what I mean? Just on a whim. So this was like the Geneva Conventions of the mob? <laughs> yes, very much so. So then they put together a group to handle all the sanction hits. Okay. This group would later Please. be known to dubbed as the Murdering. Oh, Ja Rule? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. Ashante. Say that went up. That's what you did. You go from before one me. end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. That's what they do. You go in there, and then it's a panel, and they say, "All right, this guy went too far." And it, he's like, time oh, "We had to take it about." It ain't even a question. You can kill this dude. Yeah, it's murder. Uh. And then he bangs his gavel. <laughs> <laughs> So these guys didn't get their name from Ja Rule and Shawnee. What? It actually went the other way. I know. If we learn if, anything tonight. If you could wrap your head around that. And they didn't call themselves Murder Inc. That yeah. just became a name, like, appointed to them. They like to refer themselves as the Death Panel. <laughs> it was led by Lepke Buckhalter and Albert Anastasio. So the group was, like, half Italian, half Jewish. So they had both. For one, they could work in either group. So now that everything was organized, you got some of these Jewish guys that aren't working. You can bring some out-of-town hit hitters, some Italian dudes from New York, or vice versa. Bring and, in the bronze. And a lot of them were extra-religious, which is real weird. They did the most hits, but most a lot of them were pretty religious. So they had the Catholics that had the Sunday as the Sabbath. The Jewish hitman had Shabbat on Saturday. So Murder, Inc. was like available seven days a week. 
Hey, you pick up my shift, I'll pick up yours. That's awesome. One group Saturdays their day off, the other one Sunday. And here I was thinking it was going the other way. Like nobody was getting killed on Saturday or Sunday. Like, no, man, that's it's it's, it's we're flexible. Yeah. You know? We can go both ways. We're murder ink, baby. Murder ink. Everybody's dying on the weekends. <laughs> Murder, Inc. was led by a group of Italian and Jewish hitmen, including Red Levine. He was known to have a longtime rov- rivalry with fellow Murder, Inc. hitman Charles the Bug Workman. No, I can kill him better than you. Yeah, that's what, it was a friendly workplace rivalry. They were frenemies. It was like uh, the dwarf and the elf in Lord of the Rings. They were just... <laughs> it was like you and your Facebook friends with politics. Like, look, we can disagree on Facebook about politicians, but at the end of the day, we can still be friends. We're buddies. Come on, Bug. You know, All who, right, Red. you know who the better killer is, Bugs. It was just a little competitive edge. Well, that's exactly what it was, because Red considered him greedy and accused him of stealing too many murder contracts. <laughs> Taking all my jobs. He was I draw the line somewhere. There was a quote about him in court where he was talking about Bugs Workman, where he said, anytime I got a contract, Charlie is around to do the killing. Everywhere I go, this guy's taking my hits. I try to kill a guy, he's over here killing another guy. It's like, hey, what the hell, buddy? He's like a salesman in the office. Like, uh, they both go into the office, talk to their boss. Hey, you're giving him all the leads. (laughs) I'm out here having a cold call. (laughs) One thing Murder, Inc. did was they kept everybody on a retainer. And then they would get bonuses for (laughs) for work. And then they would get extra bonuses if they did it well. Oh, this guy's really going to ruin my Christmas bonus. They get a knockout bonus and shit, like the UFC. I mean, business-wise, they have a good business structure. Like the A Saints. bonus if you do it nice and clean, easy. I mean, giving the best hitman the jobs and shit. I mean, the mob really has their business structure. I mean, just if you take a step back as an institution or whatever, they got their shit down. Hey, man, they know it works. Incentivize, baby. Incentivize your employees if you want results. Look, everybody's yeah. getting paid. Everybody's putting food on the table. But you want to you wanna make it a Merry Christmas over at the Anastasia house? You gotta, you well, that's why there clients. was the infighting, right? That was, there was That's why there was the friendly uh, co-worker rivalry. <clears throat> They're like, oh, oh, you want some points for pizzazz? Well, make that murder a little bit uh, smoother next See, time. See, here at Murder, Inc., We like to create a friendly, (laughs) healthy, competitive environment. We like to encourage our employees to do the best they can and give them extra bonuses when they do. Hey, how's it going, Bugsy? How's those killings? All right. Are you murdering to your full potential? Here at Murder, Inc., we want you to be the best hitman you can be. The difference between ordinary and extraordinary? That little that extra. Little extra. <laughs> Murder, Inc. eventually began to unravel in the early 40s due to members turning state's evidence for being murdered. Oh. So they all started getting knocked off and a handful ratted. But the problem is they were ratted on murders. You know, not numbers games and stuff like that. So everybody was going down. Well, see, that's one where to get my, like, real judgment on the history, I would have to know... The chicken or the egg. Did people start snitching first? Then people started getting killed? Or did they start killing people first? Then people started snitching. Because, I mean, once the institution or whatever you're loyal to starts knocking motherfuckers off, I mean, whatever, you got to survive. And I mean, you said 40s, right? 
early 40s this was yeah 1940s i think early you 40s. know when, when it, we've seen it before in other episodes some dudes they can hold it down until their old age and they can fucking not turn states evidence and they cannot take the easy way out and other dudes are like well i've been murder inking for a, for a <laughs> while and this shit ain't this shit ain't cool no more i'm gonna I'm... fucking turn states evidence to take the easy way out I've given this company 20 years of my life. <laughs> my 401k is just plummeted. And they keep on axing everybody. Everyone's getting the can. Everybody else gets the easy gigs. I get the hard gigs. You know what? I'm blowing the whistle. Murder Inc. was rumored to have been responsible for between 400 to 1,000 murders. Oh. Well, I mean, that sounds great. But also, when you're Murder Inc., those are outstanding numbers. Like, those are a positive like from a normal person, like, business is good. Ew, that's yeah. horrible. But I mean, if you're part of that ink, it's like, yeah, this is great. Numbers ABK always be killing. <laughs> Many high-profile members were killed. Most of the others went to jail. So a whole bunch of murder ink guys were convicted and sent to Old Sparky, which is the electric chair in Sing Sing Prison. Shit. You know, it's seen a lot of action where it gets its own name. So Old Sparky's been stolen as a nickname for a bunch of other people's electric chairs, and it's what they called the one in the Green Mile. Yep, but it comes. Yeah, it comes from the uh, Sing Sing. Another yeah. miserable place to go. How many miserable prisons you want to hear about? I got one per episode. I got a terrible <laughs> place we can send you. Nobody's singing in Sing Sing. One of the only members not indicted or murdered was Sam Levine. He seemingly disappeared off the face of the earth. Little else was known with his li- of his life after this. Damn, he just oh, fucking vanished? He just, yeah, that's not what I was expecting. So yeah, he did. But then somebody did like a like an investigation on him in 2001. Turns out somebody should have done an investigation a little bit sooner. Yeah. So the rest of this, as it goes, we didn't find out till 2001, if that makes sense. In the 1940s, he basically just disappeared. Most people think that he was really close with Meyer Lansky. And then when everything fell apart, he kind of... Tucked him away and got him like a cush gig. You know, like, well, and I mean, this is back in the day where people just changed their names, went by a new name. And like, all right, you're this guy now. So it's not it. as hard to like reason that someone could just start anew somewhere. So research done in hindsight shows that Zion Memorial Chapel had Levine on the payroll as late as 1966. When they were interviewed about it from the New York Times, their quote was said he was on her payroll. He needed to show legitimate income. Red got a check for $200 every week. Other evidence shows that into the 70s, he was active with the Newspaper Mail Deliverers Union. The Newspaper what? Interesting. Union. The Newspaper Deliverers Union. Man. We demand new bicycles. I remember being uh, 10 years old and delivering newspapers. And I Are you even, in the union? I wouldn't even have fathomed a motherfucking newspaper <laughs> delivering union. It, it's funny how times change. We want you guys to cover the cost of rubber bands. <laughs> I have covered a lot on this show is guys that are growing up would do paper routes that would have to fight in alleys over routes. So fighting over uh, newspapers is like an early entry into gangsterdom, apparently. I remember uh, Newsies and and some early uh, mob movies from the early 1900s. It, it seemed to be like a central point, you know, was delivering newspapers or selling newspapers was, you know. The subscription way. model works. Yep. Okay, that's what we do. Well, I mean, between him and the other hitman, he really knows how to get the competitive edge and fight for those leads and get the best routes. 
There's a quote from the Village Voice that said, well into the 1970s, Jewish racketeers played a major role in the union. So the union was known to be controlled by Jewish mobsters since the 20s. The quote said that Levine cleverly allowed each of the city's five mafia families to have equal piece of the newspaper delivery action, which included bootleg sales of stolen papers as well as loan sharking and gambling among drivers. There's even, legend has it, they have evidence that he was at the Ravenite Club in the early 70s, which is where John Gotti, when he took over, he used to make his guys check in at the Ravenite Club. So this is crazy. It starts with, and then in the 1940s, he disappeared. But then 2001, someone did some research and discovered, no, he did other cliche mob shit and just was a mobster. Like, he didn't disappear at all. He just did the same thing. He did normal mob shit. Like, I don't understand how the fuck he disappeared. He's hanging out in mob clubs doing union racketeering with other mobsters. We all know where he went. I like, what's the right there? What are you talking was, about? I think he was bootlegging newspapers. <laughs> this is right back to what you said in the beginning, where it's like the Italians just like Jewish people were good assassins because the Italian people just be like, yeah, the Jewish kid, fuck him. Not paying attention to him at all. He didn't disappear at all. He did normal mob shit like his entire life. Collecting a fake income, uh, working for a union. It's like getting chased by the cop and, like, you just jog 10 feet and go around a corner. And the cop's like, oh, I don't know. He went too far. He disappeared. <laughs> like Grand went. Theft like, Auto and shit. Yeah. His, like, he went from five stars to two stars yeah. overnight and shit. Yeah. He hung out in a garage for five minutes and went right back to mob shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is craziness. I don't want to say state the obvious too much, but that's the, the sign of the times. I mean, the technology back then. You well, know, no, I mean, was... they busted the other mobsters, and yeah. even though, like he hit out, he did other normal mobster oh, okay. shit. Like, still in New York. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even skip town. He was He's just still... better connected. You think the guy that did research in 2001 was like, hey, what the fuck? Like, this was very easy. Why did you guys say he disappeared? Yeah. Well, in, An I... hour and a half into his research, he was done he and said, shit. I just Googled some shit, guys, and I found this. Well, and I didn't get too into this, but technically, when Albert Anastasia got killed... That was in the 50s, so he survived that purge for a little bit, and then went on to some mob shit. The guys that got fucked were mostly the Jewish guys that didn't have the connections they did. Okay. So they all either killed each other, or got locked up, or told on each other. So they just sort of assumed that Sam Levine was just another one of them. Turns out he just kept yeah. thriving. A guy that fucking uh, told on most of the murder rank and got away with a clean, and then when he was ready to tell on Elbert Anastasia, all of a sudden got suspiciously killed under government witness. Oh, okay. oh, Double A don't play that shit. You can talk all that shit you want about Murder, Inc. You come at good old Anastasia, you're getting taken out. That was his side hustle. Murder, Inc. was Anastasia's side hustle. So. Red Levine was believed to have died of natural causes on April 7th, 1972. Aw, oh, boo, what a lackluster ending. Unless you're Sam Levine. I mean, mean, I'm with you there, but you know, I like to play into the, even though you were around for a long time, kind of under the radar, there was still probably a lot of shit you got away with angle. I mean, I'm all right with it. All right. So that's the story of Sam Red Levine. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Now, you guys Lord. haven't seen a picture yet. If we were going to cast a movie about Sam Levine, who would you cast to play him? Well, he's got to be a ginger fella. Hmm. 
I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of what age range to go with because he had a nice good long career so it has to be like a grown ass man. I won't pretend like I remember hearing anything about the description of his size or anything. I mean red hair, like you said, you're kinda you're kinda uh-huh. narrowed down. There was an actor from a TV show I watched called Life and now he was on a show called Billions with Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. Um he has red hair. And um, I'm struggling with his name. Damian Lewis? I think that's it. That's him. Yep. That's who I think of when I think of a redheaded dude who could pull off a mobster. Because he's, he's got range in acting um, from the two shows I've seen him in. But Well, I've seen him. He was real big in, uh, was that Homeland or whatever? Uh, the... See, and that came before those two shows, I think. And I have never watched one episode of Homeland. But I've heard he was good in it. He's Captain Winters in uh, Band of Brothers. And he was, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen a, an episode of Band of Brothers either, which. Oh, you got to get on some shit, man. I know, go, man. Those, yeah, you got a, some, if you got some binge time, go with Band of Brothers. It's only one season, so when you watch it, you're done. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, it's just a, a mini series. Yep. And especially, that's like decades ago. Like, you had all the time in the world to get I know, up on man. That. I Dude, know. you see, like, Jimmy Fallon pull up on a Jeep? Dude, it's people. crazy. Out of everything that that guy's in. I think of him from the movie Your Highness, the Danny McBride movie with James Franco. It's not even that good of a movie. It's funny if you get high and watch it. It's like a fantasy movie spoof. Band of Brothers is Tom Hardy's first acting job. Really? Yeah, yeah. he's real tiny, too. Like, if yeah, like you wouldn't even recognize who Time he flies. is. He's like a dude, like a soldier having sex with a French chick. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It just Literally. breaks into him having sex in a room. Yeah. Man, that's that's a show that I, I always said I wanted to get on, and I never did. But uh, I just kind of cheating because I'm on my phone. I was looking up. But the guy that I was thinking of, is uh, he's in a few things, but his main thing is from uh, Black Sales. He was in that one. Oh, he was okay. the main guy. He's the guy yep. there. His name uh, was uh, Toby Flint. Stevens. Flint. Uh, maybe more people know him from the Netflix series. Um, what is it? Danger Will Robinson. We're lost oh, in space. Lost in space. Yeah, he's the dad from that. Oh, really? But he plays real intimidating. I'm... He's a good actor. Yeah, and just in Black Sales, he plays very intimidating and very like take charge and all that sort of shit, and like almost feels justified in all of his crimes, that sort of shit. Yep. Like I could see him easily playing a mobster. I'm just pumped up. I actually could okay. uh, get one this time. Yeah, I good job, dude. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So this is the guy I thought of was uh, Sean Hattesey. Uh, have you ever seen the show Animal Kingdom? No, sir. It's no. kind of a gangster. It's about like a gangster family. Uh, but he was also an alpha dog. His name is Sean Hattesey. Oh, all right. See, I know him as the jock oh, from yeah. the faculty. Yep. Yes, he's the jock in the faculty. Yep, all right. I mean, he seems like a... Yep. Scrappy redhead. Do it. Yeah, fuck yeah. He hasn't been in anything in a while, though. I don't think. I haven't seen him in anything in, like... Well, because he's doing the Animal Kingdom show, which is big. Oh, but no, because you just said Animal Kingdom. I'm right, so but big. if you don't watch it, it's not big. <laughs> yeah, he said nothing, because I have seen everything that he's Well, I go like... the opposite way. A lot of times, I think, guys, I'm like, he's in everything. And I'll read it, and he's only in, like, four things, but it's four <laughs> things I watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he's... 
Yep. No, he's in Walking Dead. He was in The Wire, and he's in Starship Troopers. And it gets and that's even, everything. It gets Does even he... harder now with the streaming services yeah. and shit. You're like, but you don't got this, and you're like, no, I don't got that fucking obscure ass streaming okay. service. No, it's not obscure to everybody who likes the shows that are on it and shit. Right. And then that guy that keeps on popping up is like, damn, he's right in my algorithm. Yep. He's really got my shit down. So this is the picture of Samuel Levine. Okay, I was a little off. Now, was it just picture quality, or is his face fucked up? Uh, I think he's just a chubby-faced white guy. Well, no, I mean, um, his face, I mean, maybe it's just the angle, but looks, looks like, like Freddy Krueger. No, no not him. I'm seeing, like, his skin. <laughs> and it's no, that's <laughs> freckles? Like, it really looks yeah, like a like burn the, victim. No, that's like those deep freckles. It looks shit. Like, like on a, a shitty picture. Yeah. But like, you know, where those yeah, that's what get. I'm saying. So it's kind of a shitty picture. What, cause... Like those real freckles. Those those real deep make you look like your face was on fire and they put it out with a fork freckles. This yeah. this dude was like a professional police photo taker too because if you look at the one on the left, <laughs> he's wearing a suit and he's it looks like a different picture but his face is almost identical in both pictures. I mean the way he's posing, but he's wearing a suit in one, and in the other it looks. Well, he looks like a divorced car salesman. <laughs> yeah, like he just <laughs> lost custody of his kid, and well, he's yeah, getting bug, drunk. Bug Workman's stealing all yeah. the sales. You know, he's selling all yeah. the cars and shit. I'm out here grinding every day. Bug Workman <laughs> just comes in here, sells three Cadillacs. They're trying to cheat me out of my bonus. I said the last one wasn't clean. All right, so now we gotta do the Defcon scale. So standard DEFCON scale is 5 to 1, 5 being the lowest, 1 being the highest. But on the Bad Guy podcast, nobody's a good guy. So 5 would be Lee Murray, who's your crack dealing, kidnapping bank robber. And at 1, you got the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they kill people on the street. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Samuel Levine? Well, my scale is 3 is your standard mobster sort of guy or whatever. 1 is your malicious, just wants to kill everyone sort of guy. I would put this guy as a 2. He's definitely a step up because he was literally assassin for hire. So he's definitely on the upper echelon, but he didn't seem aggressively violent. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of stories of him taking out a lot of innocent people there's not a lot of stories about him going overboard or nothing he was very i mean when you're part of murder inc that's murder for hire so you have to put that in perspective murder is not a good thing but when you are a paid assassin it's it's just business baby you know (laughs) and especially on this podcast like you said no one's a good guy this is say hello to the bad guy and we have certain rules like the shootout rule and shit. So it seemed like he always stayed within the line. And then in terms of the morals, we deal with some real shitheads. People you can't trust. People that are fucking over their friends. Greedy assholes. So even though his body count is up there because he's a fucking hitman, in terms of him just being malicious and shit, there's no way I could put him as a one. So I, I'd definitely put him as a two, I think. I rest my case. All right. Don't don't. I appreciate it. Um. Man, that was a great explanation, and and I feel bad now having to go with three after that (laughs) long explanation. But I'm going to go with a three. I want to go with a two. He didn't have a family, and for some reason that comes into play with me as a family dude. Like, as a mobster, as a bad guy, as a career criminal, as a pirate, as whoever we're covering, able to maintain some uh, normalcy and maintain, like, what we most people think is normal. 
So he didn't have that factor. He had a long period where we don't know what the hell was going on. Now you could go either way with that. As a skeptic, you could say, well, did he get away with a lot of shit because he was just that good? Or did he get away with a lot of shit because he was just chilling and, you know, kind of riding the wave? So I'm I'm going with a three. I mean, even though I did plead hard for a two, I can see a three. I think he rode off into the sunset in that he kind of did the, look, I, I played my role. I played I, my part. Or I paid my dues and shit. I did what I needed to do. And uh, I'd, I'd really like to just chill for a while, like. I don't know. Everybody else got killed. You're the last of the Mohicans. I mean, he's the last of the cowboy, the dying breed, the way it yeah. used to be, and now it's just that lifestyle ain't around anymore. I mean, now that after you played that case for a three, I'm almost like, he was in it since he was a teenager. Like, this was just the world that he knew. I think I'm still going to go with a two, because I think you got right Joe the Boss and Salvatore Maranzano. So those are some yeah big-time hits on your, you know, on your list. Yep. And we don't know the total contract, but anytime you're bitching about no. somebody's taking some, Damn I mean, some is, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you're fighting <laughs> to kill people. Like, like, you know, yeah. Oh, I wanted to kill that guy. He's <laughs> killing yeah. all the people. And yeah. I mean, that's how I get my bonuses. So we don't know what the, the number is, but so I guess I'll go with the two. I don't know that he had a family, but I do know he for sure kept a kosher household. That's what I'm saying. It really, even though consensus is it is a two, and I said two, so of course I agree with it. I completely understand going with a three. He wasn't that outwardly malicious, just dickheaded dude. Dude, he's a four on Shabbat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Come on. He don't roll on Shabbat, goddammit. See, he's a two. Eh, four on Shabbat. Why did did he call it Shomer Shabazz and the Big Lebowski, and you say Shabbat? I don't, I'm, I'm not I, with I, I, I would say it's probably closer to me butchering it. No, no, because, I mean, I'm sure. I did or maybe that guy pers- was talking about a more specific Shabbat. All right. Like, maybe. I'm going to have to get hit Because I know it. what you're talking about, Walt, but I think maybe he was talking about a specific one. All right. I guess. I don't know. I don't, I'm going to do better to get better educated, so I know next time. <laughs> Goddamn, now we all gotta watch Big Lebowski. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Never seen it. Because well, he Never. says Shomer oh, Shabazz. Oh, you definitely need to. Never oh. seen Big Lebowski. You need to Man, check just it for out. Goodman. Just for Goodman and, well, I mean, not only Goodman, but the dude I abides. guess for all of it. So we're going to call him a DEFCON 2. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Before we go, you guys got anything? Now that I drank a lot more of it, this uh, Fudgy Kruger, it's pretty good. Big Lake Brewing, it's pretty fucking good. When you poured it in there and it had that nice head on top and shit, I was like, man, you're a sucker for a good head. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting warm out, y'all. Drink some good brews. Uh, Enjoy your family and uh, have good holidays if I don't see you guys before the end of them. Word? Word. He's better at this than than us, man. (laughs) I gotta be a better person. I'm making dick jokes. He's going from the heart. Six brews in, you start getting fucking nostalgic, boys. Gotta get my shit together. (laughs) All right, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. I come in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place.
Be dad, spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus, my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the camera. And I don't need a hundred friends, I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey, so I don't money grabbed a hundred hams. I done money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental life. Ay. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming in last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I like my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. And her ass fake Ay. And she in love with the bad guy Ay. But bad bitches never act right Ay. She act up into that bag fly She did a turn around in one night Ay. Say hello to the bad guy Ay. The good guy come in last place Ay. You smell that dope when I pass by Ay. I let my money at a fast pace Say hello to the bad guy Place. I smell the dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace.